Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from as Looks for Damas. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. Still to come on That Kevin Show, she's got three times the credentials of your psychologist, Dr. Gina Loudon, funny man with long hair, Gabe Rutledge, and America's sweetheart who's had her heart broken, Kelsey Ballerini, back on the Music Spotlight stage before we're done. And now, from Times Square, where the world's newest Krispy Kreme franchise wants to drive you glazy, here's that Kevin. I don't think I've made it clear to the staff. I, I, I'm not a fan of puns. They're not funny. Puns, we're not going to do puns. No more puns. Drive you glazy. Make note of that, please. We've got to... We're, we're not going to be... We're going to get canceled if we don't clean up some of this, like, uh, loose ends. We no, no more puns, okay? That's, that's it for tonight. Hey, uh, we need to take a look at the headlines, uh, as we need to do, uh, keep you up to date on breaking news and things that are going on that affect you. And I'm not sure exactly what the point of the administration trying to respond to the residents of East Palestine, Ohio, Palestine, Ohio, however you say it, Palestine, Palestine. Uh, I'm not sure what their strategy has been thus far. Um, you, you, you literally have the president come out yesterday to the press gaggle, and he gets asked, of course, you know, what are you going to do about East Palestine? Are you, are you going to go? You, you, just, you just went to the Ukraine. You, you came back. Uh, people that were in East Palestine noticed that you went to the Ukraine. And they said, why is he in, in the Ukraine when we need him here? And the other guy that you don't, you know, you're not too fond of, the guy was there before you, probably beat you in the election. That guy, he, he did show up. And I, you, cannot, you cannot be lost on the, the tone deafness of this administration. Because President Biden looks at him cautiously and says, but I did a Zoom call. I, I Zoom called the senators and the Congress people and so forth. I did, I did the Zoom call. I, I didn't bother Zooming the mayor. Why, why would I have Zoomed the mayor? That's, that's not <laughs> the mayor. You think the mayor's going to do anything about this? <laughs> that mayor. Eh. He's not even a Democrat, that mayor. Ah, we, what, do, what do we need to do with him? But he's like, no, we, 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 did a, we did a Zoom call, to which I'm sure everyone felt just so pleased that that, in fact, happened. Uh, Jim Jordan, the head of the, one of the committees in Congress, the new committees, the, the committees that are trying to get to the bottom of some of these things and find out where the wrongdoing has taken place, Jim Jordan came out and actually said, 
You know what, guys? Um, I I'm thinking that this whole thing of putting uh, Mayor Pete in charge of something, anything, uh, may not have been the best idea that we've had. Turns out that if you're just the mayor of a very little mediocre town in the middle of the country that doesn't really have any major infrastructure or fiscal crises while you're there during the time that you're there, nothing broke and went terribly wrong, nothing, you know, no, 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 no major acts of God taking place during that time. You didn't really have to fix anything. You didn't have any train derailments. Uh, maybe, maybe you're not the best guy to be running the transportation department for the, for the U S I keep saying this all the time. Uh, in most administrations, you don't even know the name of the transportation secretary. Mo most of the time, if, if you do, it's only because they're infamous. They've, they've done something that maybe they needed to do better. Mayor Pete's on the TV all the time. And the man has no experience at what he's doing. And that was noted, again, by Jim Jordan in Congress saying, hey, maybe, may, maybe, maybe we should have him step down and have someone else assume the Secretary of Transportation Department. I mean, after all, you know, it could be a, a, a play on compassion. Uh, Mayor Pete and his husband did, in fact, need to take off the, the full four months of maternity leave following the birth of their child that came out of neither one of their bodies so that they could recover and heal and do all the stuff that maternity leave allows a woman who actually gives birth to the child to do. So sometimes the body isn't just like, you know, snap right back, right back at it again. Now, Mayor Pete and his husband wouldn't know this because they're dudes. And when you're a dude, you don't know what it's like to have a baby because you don't actually have the baby. But, you know, they, they took a picture in the hospital bed the moment it was born. They took the full four months of maternity leave. And during that time, it appears that our entire transportation infrastructure for the entire country fell apart on his watch. Dudes on maternity leave. That, that, would, that would make a great, we, we're going to have to, that, that's got sketch material. Dudes on maternity leave. I, yeah, I think so. So is he the best guy for the job? Well, it's obvious that he's not. The airlines have shut down multiple times uh, in just the last three months. Uh, and that's the first time since 9-11. And before 9-11, they hadn't shut down nationwide for a really long time previous to that. But, you know, two or three times in the last two or three months, that's, that's fairly significant. Lots of delays in airlines getting where they need to go. Uh, trains can't seem to stay on the tracks. You've got all kinds of environmental problems because of that. 38 trains and train cars in, in East Palestine alone carrying all those chemicals and, you know, everyone's animals are dying and that sort of thing. So it makes a lot of sense then when the president decides to <clears throat> scoff the mayor of East Palestine. And no, no, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, speaking of being parents, by the way, this story caught my attention. Uh, there's a teacher that is saying openly that schools must do more to keep students' info secret from Christo-fascist parents. 
he's specifically calling out Christian parents, Christocentric, Christians that live with their belief that Christ is the center of their life, Christocentric. Christian parents, parents that believe in Christianity and have adopted its way of life for their family. But this teacher believes that you should hide things from Christo-fascist parents. Parents that may not want their kids to do things like, I don't know, transition to one of 57 genders when there are two sexes and they need to understand the binary world that those two sexes uh, live in. Let's be non-binary. Let's be purple dinosaurs for the day. But the teacher, and notice the teacher believes that he knows more or she knows more than the parents themselves. Let's keep, let's keep the, the kids away from the Christo-fascist parents. Well, that has been a trend over the last year anyway. But this story is very disturbing because now a new panel is pushing for assisted suicide to be allowed to be prescribed and administered to minors without the consent of parents. They've done a study. Who knows what they studied, but they've done a study. They've now pronounced the outcome that the findings of the study show that there should be an allowance for minors to pursue assisted suicide. So you have to have another adult helping them in the process for that suicide to take place and to do so without parental consent. These people want to eat, kill, and steal your children. And they're not being very subtle about it. Anyway, check of the headlines tonight. Coming up next, she has three times the credentials of any other human behavioralist in her field. Her name is Dr. Gina Loud, and she will be here to talk uh, all things. A little bit later on, funny man Gabe Rutledge on the Dry Bar Comedy Stage. Before we get back to Kelsey Ballerini in the music spotlight, I'm Kevin McCullough from New York. Stay here. My next guest is someone that uh, I'm, I'm not just a fan of. I'm a huge fan of, and uh, the, for multiple reasons. Uh, we'll get into some of this, actually, because of uh, her life and the life she's led and lives now. But she is also a fighter for her country, for her family, and for the uh, world around us. Uh, she is a, a, a seasoned television anchor. She's a twice-over, uh, multiple-time best-selling author. Uh, and she's a thrice-credentialed human behavioralist. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Dr. Gina Loudon. Yeah. 
Dr. G, welcome. It's good to have you at That Kevin Show. <laughs> I love this. I'm so excited, first of all. Congratulations. and. Um, hey, look, your life has been very interesting, and this audience may not know much about you because you, we just haven't had you uh, here yet. And I'm so honored to have you because you have done all those things I was talking about. Uh, in fact, let's go back to your childhood. Where did Dr. Gina come from? This little oh. Midwest girl that yeah. uh, grew up to live on both coasts eventually. But what, what was your life like as a child? Yeah, well, um, I'm, a, I'm a, a river rat or an Ozark redneck, however you want to think of it, uh, both probably. Um, I grew up in Missouri, in the center of Missouri, the part that nobody knows about. Everybody knows about the beautiful mountains over in the southwest part of the state. Everybody knows about St. Louis and Kansas City. None of that is where I grew up. I, I grew up uh, in Jefferson City, which is actually the capital city. Not many people know that. Now, how far is that from Springfield? Uh, it's about it's about two or three hours, depending. Okay, because yeah. that's my birthplace. Not a lot of people know that. That is I was right. I forgot about born that. Born yeah. in the state of Missouri. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was also born in Springfield and uh, in Missouri. And um, But really, my, my best childhood memories, I always say I'm from the Ozarks because my best childhood memories were truly spending summers at the Lake of the Ozarks um, and even some winter weekends as well. Um, that's really uh, my true love. And my, my when I go home, that's where I go. Now you grew up and and got married and you've you've married someone who served in public office, but you he's also not. I mean, you've been kind of in and out of that uh, situation in terms of being elected official family and then not. Yeah. But you've been, you've always been very involved in politics, and we're going to get into some of of what that represents for you in the next segment. But you've lived on both coasts, and I'm curious, how do you compare Southern California, San Diego? to where you are now in the lovely state of uh, Florida and yeah. what's going on there. And how, I mean, there's kind of like, a, I don't know, an East Coast, West Coast, like beach rivalry, if you talk to people from California sure. or whatever, how, how do you how do you rate them? No, oh, interesting. I, I, I dreamed my whole life. I think every little girl who played with Barbies, I grew up with Malibu Barbie and I wanted to be Malibu Barbie. I wanted to move to Malibu. I wanted to live in California. Um, I compromised by living in San Diego. God gave us a great run there. Seven years we were there um, and, and I loved it. And I have nothing bad to say about the people or the certainly not the weather, uh, the topography, any of the rest of it. I loved California. Obviously, um, the politics leaves a little to be desired. But, um, you know, I don't know, Kevin. That's an interesting thing that you asked that. I'm still very homesick for all the places I've lived. I lived in Missouri, but I started my broadcasting career in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and I've always said, given the right job and the right circumstances, I'd move back there today. I loved, and I was shocked. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to love it. Love it. I was in radio at the time. I was uh, syndicated. I um, moved there to take over the flagship station there in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, I, I was shocked how much I loved Alabama. And so then I had the opportunity, the blessing, if you will. Actually, one night, I still remember it, Kevin. I was sitting out on the back deck overlooking a mountain and beautiful area we lived in in Alabama. And um, I remember saying to my husband, you know, I don't know. I think I've given up my California dream. I don't really care to ever move to California now. Literally that night, <laughs> a headhunter called. Uh, and and hired my husband. And you can't make this stuff up. You know, that's how God works. You tell him your plans and he'll laugh <laughs> every time. And so we did. We spent seven years in California. I loved it there. 
I just, I, I guess I'm just a happy person. I enjoy where I am. I find the best in it. I love to adventure. I love to, to go find the great things about that area. Right now, I'm all over the swimming with the dolphins and the manatees here in Florida. <laughs> like, that's my thing every weekend. I'm out there in that yeah. blue water finding all that. I love Florida. I, I really just, I just don't have a lot to complain about. I've had an amazing life. Well, that's, that's really cool. Speaking of your amazing life, um, you have, um, a lot of credentials, as I said, thrice credentialed uh, in the area of human behavior. Um, one of the reasons I love to have you on my radio show on a weekly basis is because you're able to see through the headlines, not just for the facts and what's happening, but you can also sometimes break down like the the psychological or the human behavior elements that are going into some of these things. But your story as to how you got that degree is pretty amazing. And mm. in the just couple of minutes that we have left in this segment, could you relate that for this audience? Because they've not heard that story. I'm not sure. I'm exactly sure which part of it you're talking about. How but... many times it took you to get the one degree that you were, you were given <laughs> merit for on the first one? Yeah, well, I, I I intended to get my PhD. I think I just wanted to understand people. Let me tell all kids out there thinking you're going to study psychology and figure people out. All it does is make it even more of a haze because now you've got all these theories that enter in and you still can't figure out people. But um, but no, I wanted a PhD in psychology. I think I just wanted to help people. My whole family is medical. I knew I couldn't. Um, my dad and my mom both did not want me to be medical. They both are and thought it was horrible. So I thought, well, this is what I know how to do, so I'll do that. So, um, so I set out to get my PhD, um, got my first master's degree in a combined program at St. Louis University, and um, at my almost graduation, literally, in my very final defense of my thesis, which is a formality, basically, um, they failed me. And the only criticism I had on that was I had written in my final paper that today many men take an active role in their children's lives. My committee marked out many and put few and failed me. Few men, they wanted me to say, take an active role in their children's lives. It was supposed to be a father loss um, paper, but they wanted it to be a male bashing paper. Anyway, I, I did have one intellectually honest liberal who was also the dean of the program, who ultimately long term came to my defense and is the reason why I did finally get that first master's degree, but it was too late for me. I didn't get to walk with my class. I wasn't given the awards I should have been given as the top student in that class. Um, I was used to this. Those is this it actually happened to me in my undergrad as well. And I was discriminated against because of my politics. And um, so I had to apply to another PhD program. My own pastor at the time said, Gina, go to California, go someplace far away, find a program that you can be in where nobody knows who your husband is in politics. Nobody knows your political mm -hmm. identity. You mm -hmm. go there, you get that PhD and, um, and, and you do what you have to do to get through it which is precisely what I did. I went to Southern California to a very liberal, mostly Buddhist dominant program, got my second master's degree and my PhD. And of course, when I got out with that, then the media just proceeded to lie about all my degrees. And my comment back to the media who says my degrees aren't legitimate, that I mail ordered them or some, <laughs> some stuffing like that. I'm like, number one, it was too long ago for that. But number two, which of my three, four liberal universities <laughs> do you think fakes this degree right. for me? Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Gina Loudon, coming right back from New York, don't go away. Ready or not, we'll be right back. That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough.
Here he is from New York. That Kevin. Kevin McCullough. And we're back. Dr. Gina Loudon, my guest, uh, all the way from uh, Florida tonight and uh, looking lovely. It's a great evening. Thank you, Dr. Gina, for being here. I always appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that you don't take offense when a man says that you look lovely. I, the, the loss of the loss of complimentary uh, etiquette in our society today oh, is really one of the sh- really stupid downfalls I, I feel like that we uh, are always fighting against. But Agreed. speaking of politics and political correctness and all that jazz, you, you've experienced the persecution from it firsthand. Mm. Um, you, you were a big fan of number 45. You still are. Uh, he has uh, announced his uh, intention to run uh, and become president number 47. Um, From a human behavioralist standpoint, who are we looking at with Joe Biden and Donald Trump when you compare them as men who have lived their lives and have achieved a certain amount? What what do you see as a human behavioralist in those two personalities? Well, I think you have someone who is um, has spent a lifetime feeding off the public trough, feeding off the public dole, um, obviously didn't have money when he came into politics. Now, all these years later, while Joe Biden is still in politics, he's a very wealthy man who's probably sold our own country uh, down the rat hole for the profits that he's made along with his family members. Um, You can't get much more megalomaniacal than that. Um, You know, I I think that he at this point is so far gone with some sort of obviously neurological incapacity that he may not even realize what he's doing and has done. But it doesn't change that he's functioned this way his entire political career. So you still have someone who is not um, certainly not worthy of any character attestments, I'll tell you that much. Um, you contrast that with with Donald Trump. While not a perfect person, there is one who is perfect, and uh, he's not running for president anytime soon. <laughs> um, and and it, you know, you look at Donald Trump. I, I, I look at things like he's headed to East Palestine, Ohio, where um, where Joe Biden, of course, um, never will darken the door. That he uh, went to uh, the front of North Korea and bravely. Um, made those inroads for this country the way he did. Um, The fact that, I mean, and the list goes on and on. He kept the promise that all Republican and many Democrat presidents didn't keep of restoring Jerusalem as the true capital of Israel and the Abrahamic Accords and the rest of it. So you, you think about all of that and you realize that this is a man who, Donald Trump, who gave up what is truly a kingdom of sorts, as far as America knows kingdoms, um, I, I see him every day. I'm not, maybe not every day, but most days of the week, I see Donald Trump um, on a given week. I'll go to dinner at Mar-a-Lago. My family is there a lot. Um, I was at an event last night with him at Trump 45, which is now called Trump 47. It's a club here in Palm Beach. Um, and I'll tell you that um, he doesn't have a motivation now, especially, Kevin, after seeing what they did to him, trying to function as president of the United States with a million knives in your back every day while your own friends are trading you down the river. Um, I don't know that anyone since Jesus Christ has been persecuted to this degree, and yet he stands. And I admire that, I respect that, and I appreciate that. As a mother of five children, especially one with special needs, I can't overlook that. And I don't understand how the rest of um, of the country can, the people that don't appreciate it. So I think you have someone who's self-serving and someone who is 
a, a, a true, a true civil servant. And I think that's what Donald Trump really is. It's interesting that you, you draw the comparison between the kingdom that Trump had before politics and the lack of one that Joe Biden had and kind of how they've flip-flopped because President Trump lost a significant degree of personal wealth during yeah. the time that he was in office and Joe Biden has done nothing but get wildly richer the whole time he's been in public office. But I also am fascinated by another contrast and that is that it's the wealthiest president that's ever served prior to being president mm -hmm. that is now that has now laid the table for the populist message to return to the Republican Party. It's no longer the party of country clubs and uh, you know uh, fancy weekends. Th these are working class people. You mentioned East Palestine, Ohio. You're talking about uh, people in the Midwest that voted for him in record numbers. And it's, it's ironic that the man that so easily the, the media wanted to try to make as out of touch and just only for the rich or whatever, that that never stuck with him. It did stick with other Republicans in the past, but there was really a sense that he's changed. He's moved the Republican Party to a place that they have not been at in quite some time. This man stood for us when no one else would stand for us, and he stood for us in ways that no one else would. And Well, Dr. Gina, it's been a pleasure to have you with us tonight. Thank you for all your best uh, wishes on the new show. We are grateful to have you, and we'll have you back. So excited for you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here, Kevin. Ready or not, we'll be right back. Kevin McCullough. Now, back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Dry Bar Comedy Stage, here is Gabe Rutledge. Dry bar was like, we're going to start shooting specials again, but we can only fill a third of the room. We, we should call Gabriel Rutledge. I'm kind of known in this business for filling a third of the room. It's kind of my thing. It's not your time, Kevin Hart. My time to shine. This is a big night. You can't tell by how I'm dressed, but it's a big night. I, I can't dress nice with this hair and beard. I've tried, does not work. I had to wear a suit to a wedding last year. I was walking down the street in my suit. A guy driving by yelled out his window, good luck in court. <laughs> and then I saw my reflection and I was like, he's not wrong at all. It's either that or fun youth pastor. Those are my choices. <laughs> You're supposed to have a fitness goal to stay motivated. And I thought about it. I think I have mine. Uh, I would like to be able to show a picture of myself without a shirt on and not have people call it brave. <laughs> if I could stop empowering people, that would be progress for me. <laughs> I didn't know I was. I posted a beach photo on Facebook. Everyone commented like, good for you. <laughs> oh, I have good for you body? That's not good. <laughs> well, this is, how I, this is how I got motivated to lose weight. It was a weird way. Uh, I got an email from Amazon. And the email said, based on your recent activity, 
we thought you might be interested in this. And it was a picture of a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> Which, honestly, I've never not been a little bit interested in. Unless you've been reading my journal. Not sure how that's your business, Amazon. Based on what recent activity? It's not like, oh, I ordered a case of bean dip, so this makes sense. I've actually never ordered food from Amazon. Not once. I think it's because I ordered an extra large shirt. And then I returned it and exchanged it for a double extra large shirt. Yeah, that's when the hurtful algorithm kicked in. Amazon's like, yeah, this is the kind of customer who would enjoy chips being mailed to his home. And then two days after that hurtful email, just out of nowhere, Cinnabon started following me on Twitter. Why? Cinnabon, did Amazon tell you about the shirt? Am I on an internet fat list? What is happening? Cyberbullying is real. It's real and it's effective. That's the day I decided. I was like, you know what? After I get those chips in the mail, it's time for better choices. I'm trying. Uh, I'm 46. Thanks. Uh, I look younger from a distance. You guys are all pretty close, but from Google Earth, I could be a toddler, honestly. 46? I think that means I'm like four years away from caring about birds. Yeah, that one divided the room demographically a little bit. I apologize. I don't care about birds right now. I don't at all, but I'm the right age. One of these mornings, I'm going to wake up and be like, what was that? Was that a yellow thrusted warbler? <laughs> Honey, get my vest. <laughs> All right, I think some of you are laughing and some of you are like, good luck finding a warbler this time of year. <laughs> That's fair. Four years away from caring about birds, which means I'm five years away from hating squirrels. That's my future. <laughs> Everyone I know, 50 plus, just stares out their window all day. Squirrels, no! Get out of my bird feeder! I'm like, they don't know it's a bird feeder. That's not how nature works. No animal walks up to a pile of food and is like, I'm, I'm sorry, are these for me? Are, are these warbler treats? I'll back off. I'm hungry, I will not be rude. My neighbor yells at squirrels all day to get out of his bird feeder. So just for fun, I bought a squirrel feeder. Yeah, guess who eats out of it? No, my daughter. She said it's salty. I'm going to take her word for it. I started growing my hair long when I turned 40. That was my very mild midlife crisis. That's all I have the energy and money to do. That's all the rebellion I have left. Just screw you, supercuts. I'm off the grid. Yeah, you got to do the hair flip to let the man know you mean business. 
That's like the exclamation point at the end of a long-haired sentence. That's how you know we're done talking. Like, yeah, so. Uh. <laughs> it's never a smart sentence. It's never like, so that's when I got my master's. That's never happened. <laughs> it's more like, so anyway, that's the day I learned. You can get a DUI on a bicycle. <laughs> So wise. <laughs> I have long hair. I'm still a little prejudiced against guys with long hair. I think it depends on the occupation, okay? Long-haired comedian, fine. Long-haired cardiologist, I've got a couple questions. <laughs> if they're like, I just completed the procedure and I think your dad's gonna be fine. <laughs> Is he? I have to play a game with strangers ever since my hair got long. I hate it. It's never my idea. The game is called, Do You Know Who You Look Like? Yeah, and it's never Thor. Not once has it been Thor. Even when I'm holding the hammer, Thor has never been mentioned. Guess what I have gotten? Chubby Jesus. That's hurtful. I get it, but it's hurtful. Really? Guy standing next to me in line at a coffee shop? You just wanted to tell a stranger he looked like Chubby Jesus? You're a bad person. Drive Bar Comedy, that's Gabe Rutledge. Uh, follow him on social media. Uh, she's back in the spotlight. Kelsey Ballerini coming back next. Ready or not, he'll be right back. Serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that Kevin show. Once again, in the music spotlight, it's Kelsey Ballerini. I hope you're spending Christmas with your family. I hope you're writing songs that you love. I hope you're feeling happier than you've ever been And I hope I never leave me again I hope you're hiking that old trail in Westmead And I hope you and Jane are talking more I hope the top is off the Jeep and you're driving in I never leave me again For a while the shoe fit But then I outgrew it And staying only made me Get real good at pretend So I hope I never leave me again I hope I pieces of who I was that I lost on the way I hope I learned to love myself like I loved you then and I hope I never leave me again for a while the shoe fit yeah. but then 
six-song EP. That's Kelsey Ballerini on the spotlight here on That Kevin Show. Kevin McCullough, so glad to have you with us. Get the soundtrack to the show. All of our music spotlight artists are featured at Apple Music and Spotify. Just search New Music Spotlight. Kevin McCullough saying we appreciate you being here so much. And if you missed any part of it, we will be back again tomorrow on Salem News Channel, 9 p.m. on Sunday night. Uh, for those of you watching on Biz TV, we start immediately, right now, at 11 o'clock, uh, all over again. And on uh, radio stations everywhere, we're grateful for those partnerships. And uh, get the podcast. We are available anywhere. Podcasts are aggregated. You can watch on demand anytime at SalemNewsChannel.com. Have a great week. Thank you.